parenting, it's the hardest job we'll ever do. Most of us are tired, stressed, and counting the minutes until bedtime. But what if raising kids could feel just a little lighter? I'm Dr. Hillary, a licensed psychologist and mama of three, and you're listening to the Raised Resilient Podcast, where each week we tackle tough parenting topics, and I help decode behavior and empower you with tools and strategies so that even the hardest moments make more sense. Because parenting is hard, no matter how you do it. But I can help you go from barely surviving to parenting in a way that feels good for you and your child. So warm up your coffee and grab your earbuds. It's time to raise resilient kids. Hey friends, welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Hillary, and I am so glad you're here. This past week and a half or so has been incredibly heavy here in the U.S. as we struggle to figure out how to parent, how to be a human in the wake of yet another senseless gun tragedy. And while today's episode is not related to the events that happened in Nashville, I did want to take a moment and explicitly acknowledge the pain that we're all feeling right now. The collective grief, the anxiety, the fear, the sadness, the rage that we're all experiencing right now. I also wanted to make you aware of a resource that I created. So last May, after the horrific events in Texas, I recorded a podcast episode that really walks you through how to parent in the wake of a tragedy like this. How do we deal with our own feelings? Is it okay if our kids see that we're having these intense feelings? How do we talk to our kids about what happened? And should we talk to our kids about what happened? What can we actually do? What steps can we take to advocate for our children's safety? If you're wondering any of this, you are so not alone. And I think this episode is going to be really helpful for you. So again, that's from May of 2022, but I'll also link it in the show notes so that you have easy access if that feels supportive to you right now. And please just know that if you're having a hard time, this feels hard because it is hard. This shouldn't be something that we're dealing with. And yet here we are. So I'm sending you so much love to all my fellow parents here in the U.S. and to everyone around the world who I know is grieving with us right now. So with that said, I'm going to switch gears to the topic of today's episode, which is co-regulating with our littlest humans, with babies, because I know I talk a lot about co-regulating with older kids, but I realized I have not explicitly talked about co-regulating with babies. What do we need to do? What do we need to know? So today I am answering a listener's question who wrote in wondering exactly this. How do I co-regulate with my baby? So our listener writes in saying, I would love to hear your perspective and tips for co-regulating with babies under one. I have a two and a half year old and a five month old who fights sleep like the plague and I'm struggling with mom rage and mom guilt with both of them. Okay, so first of all, I just want to say that you are so not alone if you feel that mom guilt of, I can't be in two places at once, how do I help my toddler and also help my baby? My toddler's acting out, I feel frustrated because I always have to be with the baby, the baby needs me so much, and I am losing my cool with both of them. Okay, I've been there and I know so many of our listeners have been there. So please know that you are not alone in this. And I actually have an entire episode that I did a while back on mom rage. So go check that out. I talk about four major underlying causes 
of consistent rage and how we can support ourselves so that we can show up in a way that feels good to us, right? It's not just that we can show up for our kids because we are people too as parents and we deserve to show up in a way that feels good. So if you are struggling with rage, if you are struggling with losing it frequently with your kids, go check that episode out. I'll link that one in the show notes as well so it's easy for you to find. And then I know our listener mentioned that her five-month-old fights sleep like the plague. And if you are struggling like our listener with baby sleep or with toddler sleep, I am so excited because next week I have Rachel Shepard Ota of Hey Sleepy Baby coming on the podcast to talk about exactly that. How do we help our kids sleep more, maybe sleep more independently? And how do we do that in a way that feels good for us and for our kids? Because I know a lot of the information out there about sleep is very polarized. And so much of what's out there doesn't feel good to us as parents. It can feel like you either have to commit to sleep training or you have to co-sleep forever. But actually, there's a lot of middle ground when it comes to sleep. And that's what Rachel and I are diving into next week. So stay tuned for that. So for today's episode, I want to give you some tips, some ways of thinking about being with your baby that will help you co-regulate and build emotion regulation literally from birth. And that's a beautiful segue. I didn't do that on purpose, but that's a beautiful segue into my first point about co-regulating with babies is that it literally starts from birth. We are building emotion regulation with our babies from the moment we meet them. From the moment you first hold your baby, you are wiring your baby for emotion regulation. Your calm presence, especially when your baby's dysregulated, communicates that that feeling that your baby's having, even though it's uncomfortable, is safe and it won't last forever. I know it can feel like your young baby doesn't understand yet and that maybe you can feel like they won't remember this. And how do you actually start to build emotion regulation with a person who doesn't have words yet, who doesn't necessarily understand a ton of words yet, and who won't remember this? Well, here's what we know about babies. You're right. Your baby might not remember explicitly, meaning through words and picture-like memories, these moments when you're holding them when they are tiny. But your baby will have what we call implicit memory. Implicit memories are unconscious. You can think of them almost like body memories, like a feeling, like that good feeling of safety that your baby has knowing that you've got them. So I know it's exhausting. I know it is so hard to be up for the 10th time at night, comforting and rocking and singing, or when you have a newborn and you're just kind of camped out on the couch for what, the first three months, your whole family goes to bed and you're up until midnight or one with the baby intermittently sleeping and then feeding and then sleeping some more. And you're just binging Netflix and waiting for that time to pass because those first months feel like they last forever ever and you're exhausted and you're just like, I need normalcy. I need my life back. I remember that with all three of my kids. But when you're in those moments, when you are up at night, when you are holding, rocking, bouncing, comforting for the hundredth time that day, remind yourself, this is important. This matters. I am literally wiring my baby to know what it feels like to be loved, to know what safety feels like. You are literally laying the foundation for a secure attachment relationship. And you are doing that literally from the moment you meet your baby, which is pretty amazing when you really think about it. And so if you're in that 
stage right now, and I want to validate that it's a hard stage, and it feels like it's going to last literally forever while you're in it, right? And if you have multiple kids, you know that it won't. But like even on my third kid, while I was in it, it was really hard to remember this doesn't last forever. It feels all-consuming, but you're doing really, really important work. So I just want you to hold on to that idea and the knowledge that just being in your presence, your calm, regulated presence is everything for your baby, okay? So that is really important to remember in these really hard, long moments with our babies that what we're doing is really important. It matters. You matter. The next idea that I want you to hold on to when it comes to co-regulating with our babies is that it is physical in a way that it still is with our older kids, right? How many times does your older child come to you and say, I want a hug or our toddlers, they want to be picked up. They still need that physical contact with us for sure. But for our babies, the physicality of how we co-regulate is so defining of what it means to parent a baby. And this really starts in the womb. When your baby's growing and developing, they get so used to your body's rhythms and your body's sounds. And so those sounds and rhythms are so comforting, even when your baby is earthside. That's why things like skin-to-skin contact and baby wearing and co-sleeping can be so incredibly powerful and regulating for babies because they're in proximity to your body. They know your body as safety and warmth and comfort. So when you are camped out on the couch for hours holding a sleeping baby, or when you are baby wearing through naps, or while you go for a walk, you are co-regulating. And that's true even if you are simultaneously listening to a podcast, or cooking dinner, or binge watching Netflix. You are still co-regulating, even if you're not directly paying attention to your child in that moment, which is really cool. I remember feeling so frustrated that my first baby would only nap on me in those early months. He would only nap on me or in the baby carrier. And I felt so tied down and I felt like I was doing it wrong. But by my third child, I embraced this idea that she needed to be close to me to feel that comfort and safety. And so I would wear her for her naps in those early months. I would just proactively do that And that was so much better for my mental health to just embrace that. And it was so good for her and it allowed me to do things with my older kids. So we would go for a hike or we would go to the park or we would bake together. I baked so much when my daughter was a newborn and it was so much fun. So I just embraced the idea that my body by itself, even without me doing anything special, was regulating for her. And that allowed me to be freer and do other things as well, which was good for me and good for her. And then of course, even as your baby grows and maybe they start moving around the room, they start scooting, crawling, eventually walking, they still need that physical contact with you. And physical contact and closeness can still be so regulating, even for our older kids. That's why physical touch is such an important part of connecting with our kids. So that doesn't go away, but especially in those early months, being physically close is such an integral part of how we co-regulate. And I want to point out that being close to you and having contact with your body is especially powerful and regulating for babies when they are dysregulated, when they are feeling something uncomfortable. So when your baby is in distress, they're crying, and you've already done all the things, you've fed them, you've changed them, you've rocked them, you don't know what else to do, 
being close to you is so powerful. This is how we start to wire our kids for emotion regulation and resilience in the earliest possible way. This is how we say to our kids, you're feeling something really uncomfortable. I get that. And I've got you. You're safe. You're okay. We will get through this together. So here's a story that kind of illustrates this idea. So when my daughter was about a month old, she went on a nursing strike, which means that she refused to eat. And I think we were on like hour six of her refusing any type of food, which was terrifying as a parent of a newborn. And I was really at my wit's end. And just to give you some context to this nursing strike, my kids have all had tongue ties and lip ties that we've had to have laser corrected by pediatric dentists. If you're not familiar with tongue and lip ties, they can really impact breastfeeding and newborn weight gain. So it's kind of an important thing to get corrected if breastfeeding feels important to you. And for me, that was something that I really cared about. But with my daughter, we were in a new state, so we couldn't take my daughter to the same practice who had done the revisions for my boys. We had to find somebody new and the dentist that we chose did a so-so job, but my daughter's ties were not fully fixed. And so we had to find a new pediatric dentist. And unfortunately we had to get the ties done a second time. So my daughter was on a nursing strike because she was in pain and her healing was just a little more complicated than it had been for my boys because she was dealing with a revision on top of a revision. And of course this was in the middle of the pandemic. So this whole process had been stressful, but then the nursing strike on top of everything was a lot. So I was in tears and I called my wonderful lactation consultant at like nine o'clock at night. And thankfully she answered the phone and she stayed on the phone with me for about an hour. And I'll never forget what happened during that phone call. So if you can imagine, I'm crying, I'm talking to the lactation consultant, I'm telling her how desperate I feel and how I'm so scared. And she is holding space for me. She's co-regulating with me. She's reminding me that everything is going to be okay. She's telling me, Hillary, she's going to eat. She's going to eat. I know she is, even if you don't believe that right now. She's telling me that it's okay to be upset, that it makes so much sense. I'm so worried about my baby because I love her so much. And as she's saying this to me, I had the phone on speaker sitting on the dresser next to me. My baby goes from crying and frantic to asleep on my chest. And so we continue talking, the lactation consultant and I, and we're making a plan, you know, if at this hour she hasn't eaten, we're going to do this. And then if this happens, we're going to do this. And as we are talking through this, my baby wakes up and after over six hours of not eating, of refusing food, she just sort of starts to eat on her own. And I truly believe the reason she was able to do that when she did is because I was able to regulate my nervous system. And in doing that, I made it possible for my daughter to regulate her own nervous system. That is co-regulation in a nutshell. That's it. I was able to move myself back into a regulated state, which allowed me to again be attuned to my daughter because I wasn't very attuned to her when I was freaking out, right? So this allowed me to be attuned to her again, to see her again. And in doing that, I created the space for my daughter to then regulate her nervous system using my calm and my attunement. And then she was able to feel safe enough to attempt eating again. I'll never forget that. That moment was one of the most powerful illustrations of how connected our bodies are when we have a baby. And that moment was so powerful because 
I was able to co-regulate with her once I was able to regulate myself. So this speaks to the importance of my next point, which is that you matter too. You can't be expected to co-regulate with your baby if you are not taking care of your own needs. You cannot pour from an empty cup. If you are struggling, if you're anxious, if you're sad, if you're not enjoying parenthood the way you want to be, reach out for help. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while now, you know that my other passion and specialty outside of parenting is perinatal mental health. And I will do a whole series of episodes on our mental health along our journey to grow our families, because I think it is such an important topic and there's way more than I can say in the context of this episode. But if you're having a hard time, please reach out. You are not alone. This is really common to struggle after having a baby. So reach out for help knowing that you are not alone. It is not your fault and there is help. You can feel better and get back to enjoying parenthood. I'm going to put the link to the website for Postpartum Support International in the show notes. They actually have a provider directory where you can find somebody who specializes in perinatal mental health near you. They also have support groups, and that is huge to feeling less alone when you're struggling after having a baby. There are also simple things you can do daily to take care of yourself, even if you don't have the time or the energy or the financial resources to really pour into self-care right now. And I get it. Those early weeks, the entire first year is chaotic often, and it can be really tough to fit in time for ourselves. But here's one thing that I recommend to all of my clients. And for me as a new mom, it was an absolute game changer. And that is to get outside and go for a walk. You don't even need childcare because you can wear your baby or put your baby in the stroller. And you don't need to be talking to your baby the whole time. You can put on a podcast. You can call a friend. Use that time for you. The walk doesn't need to be long. Even a 10-minute walk outside in the fresh air can be a total reset on a tough day. And the bonus here is that babies love fresh air. Babies love to be outside. They love a change of scenery. So if your baby is fussy, they will probably love being outside too. I know in some climates this can be really challenging, but speaking as someone who walked outside wearing a baby who was wearing only a diaper in 100 degree weather, a short walk outside is usually doable. And if you can go for longer, go for longer, but don't put that stress on yourself. And the last thing I'll say here is to ask for help. Do not be afraid to reach out to friends and family and let them know what you need. Talk to your partner if you're parenting with a partner. If you feel like you need them to step up and take on more with the baby or with your other child, tell them that. It is so important to communicate our needs. And I know that can feel really tough and really foreign if you didn't grow up feeling safe to ask for what you needed. But it is so important. And we can't meet the needs of another little human who's dependent on us. We can't meet those needs well without burning ourselves out unless we're also taking care of our own needs. It's okay to put your baby down in a safe place and go outside and take a break for a minute if you feel overloaded, if you feel at your wit's end. In these moments, go take a break. You will not harm the attachment relationship by letting your baby cry in a safe space while you go regulate yourself. That is such an important message, and I don't think we say it enough in the gentle, conscious, respectful parenting space. Letting your baby cry alone for a few minutes while you get what you need taken care of is never going to harm an otherwise secure attachment relationship. You matter and taking care of you is taking care of your baby. I need you to hear that. 
Now, my next point that I want to make when it comes to co-regulating with babies is that crying is communication. And that might feel really obvious, but I say this explicitly because I want to acknowledge that crying can feel really triggering for a lot of us. For some of us, when we were children, we were not allowed the space to cry in the safe presence of a calm, regulated, attuned caregiver. And so crying might be very triggering if that was your history. And then on top of that, biologically as parents, we are wired to respond to our child's crying. And so even if your parents held space for your crying when you were a baby, when you were a child, you still might have this biological, almost like a fire alarm going off saying, make it stop, make it stop. That's a biological response. And it's there to make sure that you show up for your baby and that you don't just let your baby cry and not meet their needs. But here's the thing. Sometimes our babies cry and there is nothing we can do in that moment to make the crying stop. And so I want you to shift your mindset from how do I get this crying to stop to how do I hold space for this crying? How can I hear what this cry is really trying to tell me? How can I be with this crying? How can I be with this crying child and let this child know that they are here in the presence of a safe caregiver? So like I was talking about in the beginning, your child is feeling something uncomfortable and your calm, safe, regulated presence sends a message to your child that this is safe. This is okay. This is uncomfortable and I don't like it but I am safe. And your baby gets that message implicitly in their body that they are safe, they are held, and they're going to be okay. And this is so important because there are times that our kids are uncomfortable and we can't fix it. Maybe your child is sick. Maybe your child is overtired and you can't get them to sleep any faster. You just have to shift the schedule going forward. In that moment, how can you be present for your child? Looking at crying as communication is such a mindset shift from our society that wants all feelings other than happiness to stop immediately, right? And there's so many products out there to get the crying to stop at all costs. But sometimes what your baby needs is for you to hold them while they cry and hold space for those feelings. And you can say things like, I hear you. I know this is so hard. I'm here, right? And combining that with physical movement, proximity to your body, a gentle rocking as your baby is held close to you and you're saying, I hear you. I know you're so uncomfortable. I'm here. You can tell me about it. Your baby will not understand the words in the way that they will when they're two or when they're five but they will understand the meaning behind your words. And so that is so important to just hold space and talk to your baby in a way that conveys that you've got them. And that brings me to my next point, which is to talk to your baby. I know that might seem obvious. You're hearing it from all of the speech and language pathologists. You're hearing it from child development experts. Talk to your baby, talk to your baby. And that is such great advice. But I want to get a little more nuanced with you today about how we talk to our babies. Because I think it's easy sometimes to get the idea that you're just supposed to be exposing your baby to as many words as possible as soon as possible. And I think instead of focusing on how many words you can say to your baby, Let's shift our mindset to engaging in meaningful communication with our babies. And in order to do this, we really need to see our babies as whole human beings, whole people from birth, because they are whole people from the moment that they're born. 
And even though they don't understand every little thing that we're saying to them in the way that they might in a few years, they really do understand a whole lot more than we think. When we talk to our babies, they start to put together the world around them, your relationship with them, the safety of the attachment relationship, what to expect in different circumstances. They start to put all of that together from day one. And our talking to them really has a large role in that. We can start to put words to uncomfortable body states. Oh, I know you're so hungry. I'm getting everything ready to feed you. It's so hard to wait. We can narrate what we're doing instead of just doing things to our babies. We can say things like, okay, I'm going to pick you up now or during a diaper change. It's time to change your diaper. I'm going to undo your diaper and then I've got the wipe here and it's going to feel a little cold on your skin. Are you ready? Okay, let's go. And your baby's not going to respond and say, okay, yes, I'm ready. But they understand that you are including them in what you're doing as a full human being, as a full participant. And no, they can't exactly verbalize their consent to you yet, but you are including them and allowing them to participate instead of just doing things to them. We can also notice what our baby is paying attention to. So instead of bringing a toy to our baby and saying, hey, look at this. We can follow our baby's gaze. What is your baby looking at? What are they interested in? Can you notice that with them? Can you notice, oh yeah, I see you're watching the dog. Yeah, I see he's wagging his tail, right? So you're not just coming at your baby with all of these words. You are helping create a narrative about what's going on from the beginning. We can also use our words to help our baby make sense of what's going on around them. So let's say a fire truck goes by outside. You can look at your baby and say, yeah, I heard that too. That was so loud. That fire truck siren was loud. Or you can use your words to help your baby feel prepared for something that's about to happen. So let's say that you're about to blend a smoothie or run the vacuum. You can let your baby know, okay, there's going to be a loud noise, but I'm right here, okay? I would do this all the time. I blend smoothies almost daily. And so I always tell my kids, even now I say loud noise before I turn it on. This helps your baby feel safe with this big, wide world that they don't fully understand yet. You are helping them feel safe in this world through the language that you're using. You are helping them feel like a person of worth and value through your language. So talking to our babies is so important, but it's not about just exposing them to as many words as possible. It's about connection, just like everything else we do as parents, right? And my last point for you to think about when it comes to co-regulating with babies is this. And I say this all the time in this podcast, but I'm gonna say it as many times as you need to hear it. You do not need to be perfect. We are never going to show up perfectly for our children. And that includes when they're babies. There's going to be times that you have to go to the bathroom, but your baby's hungry. There's going to be times when you need to take a shower and it's bedtime. So you lay your baby down in the crib and they cry for a few minutes. We talk next week, Rachel and I, about that exact thing. There's going to be times that you get angry, even with your baby. And if you have ever dealt with prolonged sleep deprivation, you understand just how easy it is to raise your voice even with a sweet, innocent little baby in the middle of the night. I have been there. Okay, no shame if that is you. I want you to approach these ruptures with your baby the same way that you would with an older child. I want you to lean into repair, model self-compassion in the face of your mistakes. Go to your baby. No, they won't understand every word, but they will understand the meaning behind your words. I'm so sorry I yelled at you. 
I was so tired and really not handling my mad, overwhelmed feelings the right way. I love you so much. I'm going to work really hard not to raise my voice with you again. I know that must have been scary. Our babies do not need us to be perfect. They just need to know that we are going to continue to show up for them and that they can trust us. So that brings us to the end of today's episode. I hope this was helpful. Definitely stay tuned for next week's episode with Rachel of Hey Sleepy Baby. And until next time, we've got this. I so appreciate you listening and being here. It really means the world to me. And if you are enjoying this podcast, leave a review and share with someone who could use this message. I really and truly believe that this is how we change the world. We spread the word about raising resilient kids, about being cycle breakers. So share this podcast, leave a review, and let's spread the word about raising resilient kids. Until next time, we've got this.